Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Hashtag, that was really a shocker to me when I first became, uh, had an Instagram account. Because I saw this pound sign, this number sign, and I said, what's with that? And not realizing that a hashtag associates a word and it brings it to a place where other people can have that word and so you, you can access and reach people with that hashtag that you don't even know or you may never see uh, or you might not think you could reach. But a, a hashtag could be a good thing or a bad thing depending how you use it. But it's interesting, I looked on Instagram, just Instagram alone, because other social media sites use it, on Instagram alone, as of July 30th, no, July 13th, it's not the 30th yet, okay? <laughs> July 13th, at 10.13 p.m., there were 75,413,315 posts that were hashtag blessed. So there's a lot of people that are hashtagging blessed out there because they're experiencing something. Now, some blessing means different things to different people, so you have to be careful with that. But nevertheless, people are blessed. And so they take enough time to identify that with their post or with what God may be doing in their life, okay? And so now we understand that from the very beginning, it's evidenced in Scripture that God blessed mankind. He did it in the garden. In Genesis 1.26, Scripture says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. The first part of that verse. But God blessed them right from the very beginning. It's God's intent. It's his desire to bless because it's an attribute of the God that we serve. In fact, um, you know, in my life, and, and we're talking about favor I've experienced favor, and it's impacted my life in such a profound way. Because favor is something that we receive that we don't deserve. And when we look at the favor of God in our life, it's, it's an extension or expression of his love. Something that he wants to do to make an impact on your behalf because he cares, he's concerned. Now, the, the title of this message is Favor Ain't Fair because it really isn't. If you're going to really break it down. And uh, you've heard it said maybe time and time again that that's not fair. Have you heard that expression? That's not fair. You see somebody else get something and you think, I really wanted that. It's not fair. Why can't I have that? And we're living in a culture that is trying to create this fairness. And it's really causing a lot of confusion because we don't want God to be fair with us. There's no way that I want God to be fair with me. Because if he's fair with me, then that means I, I go to hell and burn because of my sins. But he's not fair. He's not fair because he extended his grace to me so that I could find forgiveness. That's not fair, but that's God's favor. And so that's something we need to explore uh, wrap our mind around and begin to attempt to understand God's favor. Because when you have a revelation of God's favor, you begin to live in the fog. What's the fog? F-O-G. 
favor of God. I want to live in the favor of God. You might say, your head's in the cloud, your head's in the fog. Well, that's okay, you know, in that standpoint. Not really, okay? My wife would say, no, that's not okay. (laughs) Right, Deb? You say, your head can't be in the clouds. Come come to earth. Come to earth, okay? See, I I tend, marriages are amazing because I think somehow God brings opposites together and we really balance each other out. And I can tend to be a little more spiritual, overly spiritual. And she's spiritual, but she's very practical. So she'll say, earth to mat, earth, you know, we got to bring you down. And so just bear with me. If I get a little over spiritual this morning, uh, she balances me out. And afterwards, she'll say, okay, you should have said this. No, no, she has every right to critique my messages, okay? Um, in fact, what she says about my message is more important than what you think about them, okay? Uh, but what's most important is what he thinks about them, all right? So we'll, we'll get that straight right from the beginning. All right, but, but words, we understand, convey meanings, ideas, perspectives. To not properly define a word can mislead or even bring a false or wrong conclusion. It can bring somebody to a false or wrong conclusion. That's why I like to use definitions to really define what we're talking about. So what does it mean to be fair if we're going to define fair? Fair is defined as lawful, legal, legitimate, just, equitable, honest, upright, honorable, trustworthy, impartial, unbiased, unprejudiced, nonpartisan, neutral, even-handed. See, it all sounds good, doesn't it? If life was only fair, if all of these things were working in our life, antonyms for fair would be biased, partial, prejudiced, unjust, unreasonable, and decided. So we say that's not fair. Something happens. This is the kind of talk that starts growing up at home. How many of your parents or how many of you as children have had issues because you see one child being treated, your brother, your sister being treated a little differently, and you say, that's not fair. And now, to set the record straight, we have tried to equally bless all of our children and tried to be fair with them. But, you know, some just get a little more favor than others, maybe because of their obedience. You know, we did this thing with our kids. Okay, whatever you put aside in savings... When you reach adult age, when you go down to buy a car, then we will match dollar for dollar what you set aside for savings for that car. Now, of all of our children so far, Michaela cashed out the biggest. Now, she's driving a Volvo, if that tells you anything. And, but she saved. She put that away. It's an older one, okay? And we got a great deal, so don't run there and say... Pastor's daughter is driving a Volvo. Yeah, it was just made in another country and shipped over here. What's the big deal, okay? Okay, okay, let's get back on track here. But, you know, his siblings could have said, that's not fair. Now, Nathan, he got a 1994 Ford Taurus. Yep, and he loved that station wagon until it quit running. In fact, he, he, somebody... When he was at Bible college, somebody ran a stop sign and hit him in, in the driver's side of the vehicle, totaled it out. 
Didn't stop him. He kept driving that thing until it wore out. He got a check from the insurance company, but he didn't spend it to fix the car. So, yeah. But favor ain't fair. You know, why would, you know, one of our sons get a 1994 Ford Taurus and our daughter get a 2006 Volvo? Is it 2006? I am. Anyway, okay. Let's, let's move on. I, but parents, you know that you hear that from your kids. That's not fair. It probably sounds just like that too, okay? So, uh, now we see Joseph, this man in the Bible, and he was a favored son, and his dad probably shouldn't have did it, but he bought him this very expensive garment, this jacket that was many colors, and it incited jealousy among his brothers. And his brothers had a hard time with it, and, and so he became persecuted. He actually was sold as a slave, became a slave, but yet in the midst of all that, God's favor was still upon him. At every level of his life, with whatever persecution he faced, there was favor that would cause him to rise when he was pushed down. And that's what the favor of God would do in our life. It will cause us to rise when everything around us is pushing us down. So you and I need the favor of God in our life. We can't, I don't want to live a day without God's favor. I really don't. And so today as we bring this service to conclusion, at the end, I want us to begin to pray and seek God's favor as a congregation. Because if we do it individually, and if we do it collectively as a body, we're going to see God pouring out his blessing upon this church, upon your families, in an amazing way so that we can be empowered to make a bigger and better difference in the community around us. And that's what it's all about. Abraham was blessed so that he could be a blessing. We see that, and we're going to hear about that later this month. Uh, Andrew Haas is going to be bringing the word. That's going to be a good message. You don't want to miss that one coming up the end of the month, 30th. All right. Let me share this with you. We make an attempt to assess fairness to what we don't receive compared to what others do receive. You might want to write that down if you're taking notes. That's how we attempt to assess fairness in proportion to what somebody else has compared to what you has. It's just not fair, and life is not fair. Why is somebody have a lot and somebody has a little. The Bible says to whom much is required, or to how much is given, much is required. So there's a greater responsibility. If you have more, it gives you just more responsibility. And uh, I could talk about favorites here because sometimes, you know, uh, children claim that there's a favorite child in the home. And if you talk to all of our kids, they'll probably say Nathan's the favorite child. Right? Everybody thinks Nathan's the favorite child. I don't know why they think that. Maybe you can tell me, honey. I don't know. Maybe Michaela, you can. <laughs> because we didn't give him as many spankings, maybe? Or that kind of, who knows? I, you have to let us know, Nathan, if you felt like the favorite son at home. I don't know. Anyway. And we're bringing this personal. Yeah, you know, this is kind of a, I'm opening my heart and sharing all, you know, this stuff. So I'm just being real with you folks today. 
Uh, so now a couple of statements I want you to write down because I, th I think these are important. And we're going to get to our three points because I do have three points for you that we need to get to. Um, favor is grace extended and received. Favor is grace extended and received. It's really like getting a break, another chance. It's receiving blessing rather than a penalty. It's receiving eternal life rather than eternal death. See, favor isn't fair. Fairness ended when Jesus died on the cross and took your sin, okay? Just, just re realize that. And you don't want to play the fair game in light of God's favor. You really don't. Then see, favor is related to grace, and we need to understand that. It is preferential treatment that you don't even deserve. It's favor. Favor is not earned or achieved. It is received. I'll say that again because that's something good to write down. Favor is not earned or achieved. It's received. You receive the favor of God. Just like anything you receive from God, you accept it. You believe it by faith. You appropriate it in your heart with the faith that God's given you to receive it. And so when you're blessed and people get upset, you know why that happens? Why do people get upset? Because favor ain't fair, you know. Uh, favor like grace is getting what we don't deserve. We, do, we get eternal life rather than eternal death. Being fair is getting what we deserve. And I don't want to get what I deserve. Do you? Um, Psalms 30 verse 5 in the English Standard Version reads this way. It says, for his anger is but for a moment. And his favor is for a lifetime. Isn't that amazing? His favor is will extend the whole lifetime, a whole lifetime from birth to death. His favor is there. It goes on to say, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So point number one in my three points where we talk about favor ain't fair is, number one, you can walk in the favor of God. You can walk in the fog, okay, and in and, and, and that sense. See, and for us to walk in the favor of God we need a favor foundation. We need to have a foundation of what it is so that we can begin to live in it and walk in it as God's ordained for us too. The best definition I found for favor is demonstrated delight. Demonstrated delight. See, the favor of God can be described as a tangible evidence that a person has the very approval and acceptance of God. A scripture I don't have for the slide, it's Ephesians 1.6. It says, he's made us acceptable in the beloved. He's accepted us. Because he's accepted us, why would we not accept him? He's accepted us in our mess. And why don't we accept him and receive his life and what he has to give? Now, when we favor someone, we want to be with them. We delight in them. We connect with them. In fact, we connect with them in a way that we may not connect with everyone else. We usually favor people who also favor us. You know, you ever hear, I'll do you a favor? And when you do somebody a favor, you know, it's kind of expected. Well, you're going to do a favor back for me. Have you ever been there? I'll do you a favor. And then, you know, and so not that we do it to get a favor back, but it's usually reciprocal. Uh, when you're expressing favor towards someone, it's usually two-way. If it's not two-way, 
something is amiss, okay? Now, in the same way, God shows favor to the ones who delight and connect with him. Hear that? God shows favor in the ones who delight and connect with him. See, those who honor him. We see a passage. I love this passage. It's actually one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I have a lot of them, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. But this one really speaks to me and encourages me. It's 2 Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. It's the first part of that verse. And if your heart is completely given to him, he's looking to be able to give you support that you need to make it through life. I don't know about you. I need strong support to make it through life. Life is not easy. You know, you don't have to, you know, live long to discover that. It's not real easy. There's so many challenges. There's so many pressures, especially in our culture today. We're being bombarded with so much junk. So I don't know about you, but I need God's strong support in my life. You might say, well, that's a crutch, Pastor. You're just weak because you need God to help you. And, and, and I've, I've talked to, actually talked to an atheist when I was in the Soviet Union before, you know, this was back in the day, before the wall fell. And, and he told me that he felt that Christianity was a crutch. You know, as a university student at the time, we interacted with other university students, and immediately I brought up the God thing. What do you believe about God? He said, well, I believe evolution. And so I said, so where did you come from? An ape? I said, that's interesting. I see the resemblance, but no, no I, I didn't say that. I didn't say that, okay? <laughs> but now I forgot where I was going with this. Help me out, honey. <laughs> Maybe they'll come back to me this afternoon sometime. I don't know. <laughs> it was a long day yesterday. Anyway, yeah, so debating with us. Oh, yeah, yes, thank you, thank you. And, and, I, and, and so my response was, no, I, I, I see it as more than a crutch. I see God as my life support system. He's my all in all. I, I don't want to live a day without his presence. I don't want to live apart or separated from him. I need God. And something about Christianity that's interesting, as we grow and I walk with God, we become more dependent upon God. Jesus said you need to become like a child in order to enter the kingdom. What he was really saying is you need to become dependent upon me to be able to receive and enter my kingdom. And so I need God more today than I did yesterday. And so I'm not afraid to acknowledge that I need God in my life. I need his strength and strong support. So, see, it's the difficulty of situations that occurs, I believe, in our life where God's favor is best displayed. It really is. And when we often think of favoritism, you know, we can equate it as people thinking that you have a higher status and less responsibility. But I really believe that favor gives us a greater responsibility. And we want to see that as, as we look to the word in, in a little bit here. Uh, see, God doesn't give you his favor for your convenience. He gives you his favor for his purpose. See, Jesus found favor and it led him to the cross. It really did. In Psalms 90 verse 17, the scripture reads, Let the favor 
of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. In other words, when the favor of God is upon us, the work of God will be accomplished through us. See, and that's what I want. God used me. But for him to use me, I need his favor. See, favor is not a formula. A formula says it looks like this and it works in a specific way, but you really, it's hard to really put your finger on favor. Favor is God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. I made a little list here. Favor is God doing for you what you can't do for yourself. Favor is God's goodness displayed in our life that only he takes the credit for. I like that one. How about this one? Favor is the acceptance of the approval and assistance of God that's awarded to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I have one more for you before we hit point number two. Favor is God gracious, graciously working in my life and my circumstance for my good and for his glory. For my good and his glory. Point number two, favor is found. You find it. You discover it. See, we may not actually see a clear definition of favor in the scriptures, yet we can see examples of the people who had the favor of God in their life. Everyone who God greatly used found favor with God before he used them. I'll say that again. Everyone who God greatly used found favor with God before he used them. And I know some of you are crying out, God, use me. God, use me. But you need to find his favor so he can Genesis 6, 8, it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And what did God do through Noah? He saved the world. You know, he's an old guy, but he built this big boat. And then he, you know, got all the animals by pairs, got them on that ship, and spared, you know, the earthly civilization. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we're here today because of Noah. I'm thankful that he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God preserved the human race through Noah. But it started because he found favor. See, Abraham found favor when he left everything to seek the one and true God. Joseph found favor as a slave. And you can find favor in the worst of situations. In Luke chapter 1, we see even Mary in the New Testament found favor who became the mother of Jesus. In Luke one thirty, and the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Look how God used her. And then Jesus was the ultimate example of favor we see in Luke 2.40. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. And notice, and the favor of God was upon him. Later in, in verse 52, it goes on to say, And God, or Jesus, increased in wisdom. And in stature and favor with God and man. See, the favor is not just between you and God, but it is also extended with other, towards other men, other people. I can remember one time, this was years ago, uh, I was visiting somebody at somebody's house, and this was, he, he was a um, you know, white collar worker, worked as an executive in a very good position in the community. And, but he had this kind of attitude that was kind of always on the negative side of life. I mean, everything, you say something positive, and he would tend to go negative. And so we had to run an errand, go to an auto parts store, and we went there, and uh, we go there, 
And as soon as I'm, I'm there, a service rep comes up to me and says, what can I do? Can I help you? And he looked at me like, do you know him? I says, no. He says, and, but I would just stand here and feel embarrassed and nobody would look at me. But you walk in and they just respond to you right away. What is that? And I said, well, maybe it's the favor of God. I don't know. But we left that auto parts store and he was just like, I don't get that where I go. And I began to think, maybe you need a revelation of the favor of God. Because, you know, I, when you have that revelation, you expect that to have favor. You go shopping with Deb. She has favor. You know, they'll give her discounts. Just, you know, she's at the checkout. She was with a lady one time in the church. She goes to the checkout, and the lady says, you know what? I'm going to just give you another 20% discount. She didn't have a coupon. She didn't have all the, you know, paperwork that you needed to get for those coupons. And she said, well, thank you. And then her friend's with her. She's next in line. You think she got a discount? Nope. No. And she's saying, well, you know, what's the difference? What is it different about you than me? And she said, it's favor. God's favor is in my life. And see, uh, and she's that way when she does vacation planning. She'll look, go on sites to, to find good deals. She finds amazing deals. 50%, 75% off of what they normally charge. Now, she's, and you know what she loves to do in her spare time? Travel agent stuff. Plan trips, vacations. She loves to do that. And she's a deal finder. And she will tell you it's because of the favor that's on her life. And I lean on that a lot. So, honey, you call them. <laughs> honey, the favor of God is all over you. You deal with this matter. And she says, no, you be the man, you know. But <laughs> <So, laughs> I'll say, but I don't have the favor that you have. So, well, you've taught me this, so. Okay. Anyway. Did we ever get to point number two? Yeah, favor is found. <laughs> Turn with me to Exodus. If you've been holding your place there all this time, I apologize, but that's good practice for your fingers. All right. See, let me just say this. When I understand God's favor, it gives me a new way to see how God sees me. It really does. And, and God wants you to see yourself as he sees you. Because we often, and as, as Anna showed, that condemning thing, we tend to put ourselves down. There's shame that we put upon ourselves. God doesn't see you covered with shame. He sees you as an object of his love, okay? So when, when you understand God's disposition towards you, what it really is, it changes your disposition about yourself, okay? Everything you face in your life, it gives you a different outlook towards it. It really does. Exodus 33, starting at verse 12, we're talking about this man called Moses. Now, God already spoke to Moses, and as we take this up, he actually says back to God what God has spoke to him, because Moses is unsure of this favor thing. He's, because he's basically saying, God, you said I have this favor, but how is this played out in my life? And so in Exodus 33, verse 12, it says, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. That was his charge. That was his instruction. He had to take this people through the wilderness into the promised land. It goes on to say, but you have not let me know 
whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. See, he knew that much. He knew at least, Lord, you said I found favor in your sight. So what do I do with that? Let's read on verse 13. It says, now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. Now see, this is something we need to understand. When we begin to experience God's favor in our life, we need to be concerned about, Lord, how do you want to do this? What is your way of dealing with this matter? We seek his ways. He has a way that he wants to do things. Don't just gravitate to how you did it before, but reach out to how he would have you do it, okay? It goes on to say, um, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. That this nation is your people. So Moses is saying, okay, God, this is a huge task. This is your people. And you want me to do something with them. You want to use me in their lives in in a significant way. And so, but because he found favor in his sight, he began to come to an assurance that, God, you're going to help me do this because I have your favor in my life. In verse 14, It goes on to say, and he said, this is God's response to Moses, my presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. So with the favor of God comes the promise of his presence. That's important, because, you know, the first time I went overseas, when I went to Africa, I have to admit I was deathly afraid. I was scared of what I was going to encounter, what I was going to see, and all this, because I heard the, the war stories, you know. But so... I said, Lord, I need to know and be assured that your presence is with me. And God, in in a time of prayer, I felt just the confirmation that his presence was going to be with me and go before me. And so that dispelled all fear in my life. Even though I faced some challenging situations, I've, I've been in situations where, you know, there were, you know, bombs going off and explosions, and but God kept me safe. You know, I didn't, I wasn't afraid because I knew God's presence was there, okay? Now, in verse 14, it goes on to say, and I'll read this again. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Verse 15, and he said to him, Moses is saying this, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. In other words, I'm not moving. I'm not going a step further. Verse 16, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, It is not in your going with us so that we are distinct and I, your people, from every other people on the face of this earth. In other words, what he's saying, there's there's something about God's favor that distinguishes us from everyone else. And that's what Moses is saying. Okay, we're, we're being set apart because God's doing something different in our lives. In verse 17, the Lord responds back to Moses and says, And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. That's the God that we serve. He knows your name. And we have found favor in his sight. So he, God is basically said, Your presence, yes, it will go with you. My presence will be with you. Okay? So that was the promise where we see of the result of God's favor in his life. Now, sadly enough, even though Moses found favor in the sight of God, he didn't enter the promised land. 
And, and, and that's why, and the reason why, as I study this out, is, is God's favor gives us an opportunity, but our response to his favor determines whether we seize it or not. So we, we really need to realize that. Number three, we, got, we need to move on here. It's time, number three is it's time to acknowledge and receive God's favor. It's time. It's time in your life that you need to acknowledge God's favor and receive God's favor in your life. Maybe you haven't really ever even thought about it. But today, we're bringing it to the forefront. See, whether you realize it or not, we are all favored sons and daughters. According to Galatians 3.26, the scripture reads, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus sets us apart as a son or as a daughter of him. In fact, Psalms 5.2, I love this as well. It says, for it is you who blesses the righteous man. The righteous man is simply a man who has surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and given himself over to God. He's not righteous by his own doing, but God makes him right with himself by his doing. Okay, And so we see Psalms 5.2, for it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as a shield. See, favor is my force shield. God is a force shield around our life. His favor is there. And so we need to see his favor is a, a form of protection over us. He surrounds us with favor as a shield. And I've witnessed God's favor countless times in my life. And, you know, somebody being there to help me when I needed them the most. Sometimes people just show up. I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know, uh, a number of years ago, my wife, Deb, and Heidi, our school administrator, were driving down to Tulsa for a conference, and they got as far as um, they were in Missouri, and there was some road construction, and they ran over something that was in the road, and all of a sudden, they started smelling gasoline, and the gas gauge started going like this, and the tank was running out of gas, and so they pulled over. And they called me. Now, they're hundreds of miles away from home in the middle of Missouri. And I, I felt helpless. What do I do? I felt like can I, I can't get on a plane and jump there to save my wife and Heidi or help them out. And so I just prayed, Lord, I need your favor right now. And, and what the Lord brought to mind is in the glove box, there was, it was the Chrysler caravan that we had at the time. There was an emergency help number. I said, call that number. Now, this is 2 a.m. in the morning. This was a, a Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. And so I get this call, and I mean, I'm trying to figure out how, what can I do to help my wife that is stranded at the side of the road in Missouri. Well, they called that number, and they were actually back on the road within an hour because the, the serviceman that came out had the parts on his vehicle, just happened to have the gas line that had been severed, was able to replace it and get them back on the road. There was only an, was it our delay? And I'm thinking, God, this is a miracle. This doesn't happen. This is favor. I mean, the fact that that emergency number even worked because we didn't buy any extra insurance or coverage for roadside assistance, but it all worked out. And it didn't hardly cost a thing. Right. Probably don't remember that part. Huh? Anyway. So... So this, this third point, it's time to acknowledge and receive God's favor. Psalms 106, verse 4, and we see this declaration, this cry from 
the psalmist said, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have towards your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation. See, this needs to be our cry as the psalmist cried. In Psalms 119, one, Psalms 119, verse 58, the psalmist declares, I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your presence. We need to entreat the favor of God this morning. And one way to entreat his favor, we see in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so we also see in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Apostle Paul is writing, he said, in an acceptable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, or oh, actually, I, I didn't read that right, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I believe we can all relate to that in the now. Now is the time for you to receive God's favor. Now is the time for you to receive his salvation. Now, salvation can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. But we want to relate it to the condition of your heart right now. In fact... Where are you at in your journey with God? Maybe you came here, somebody invited you, and they said, this is a cool service, we got a cool band, you know, you got to, you know, hear. the preacher's kind of, you know, he's different, but it's a great church, the people are great, you know, you need to come. And now you're sitting there, and all of a sudden your heart begins to almost like it, there's this conviction, or it feels pricked, and it's like, okay, there's something I know that's not right in my life. There's something I need that I know I don't have. And I may see this joy and what others are experiencing in, in their experience with God, but I don't have that. Maybe you feel empty inside. Maybe you're bound up with sins that you just can't get control of in your life. And, and you've just lost your, your focus and, and you're really at a place where you need God. And let me say, we all need God, every last one of us. We need him in our life. In his love, he did something so incredible because of the condition of our life, because of the condition of sin. Sin separates us from God. But he didn't want that separation to remain, so he sent Jesus to take the penalty, to take the judgment that we deserved so that we could be reunited with him in right relationship. What God had with Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall, he restores to right relationship that we find in Christ. You can know him. You can experience his love. You know, being raised in a denominational home, I, I never knew the true love of God until the age of 17 when my older brother sat me down and he said, you need to listen to me. And I, I respected my older brother, so I listened. But he told me about a relationship that he had with Jesus. And he said, you can have this kind of relationship too. And when I looked at him, I saw the change. I saw the transformation in his life. And I said, my brother is different than what he used to be. There's something different about him. And it was a positive change. And so he led me in this prayer to receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. 
And at the age of 17, from that point, my life changed. And I'm not the same today. And from that time to this, I've grown closely. I've grown to know my God. And I've come to a place where I now serve his purpose. And there's nothing better that I'd want to do with my life. If you would, just bow your heads for a moment. Close your eyes because I believe this is a moment in time between you and God. As the scripture says, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this can be a day that you receive him. In this moment, in this place, on this day, you can come to experience the love of God, his forgiveness in your life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I don't know that my life is right with God. If I were to die, I'm uncertain I'd go to heaven. Just lift your hand so I can see it because I want to pray with you. And we're going to lead everyone in this prayer together. But we're going to pray together to receive Jesus as the Lord of our life. Give you a moment. We're going to pray this prayer together. Let's stand together if we would. And now when I lead you in this prayer, I don't want you just to repeat what I say. I want you to embrace what I say. And allow the words you say to be meaningful and heartfelt because it can't just be mimicking or mocking or repeating and repetition. It needs to be something you can really embrace in a heartfelt way, okay? So repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I believe in my heart that he raised from the dead to give me new life. Jesus, come into my heart and become my Lord and my Savior. I receive you now. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.